Wait, sorry, what you want? I just got a black coffee. Black coffee? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I thought black coffee was a catfish. Yeah, that's the thing. This isn't Twitter, is it? We've got a persona. Well, I'm recording, so... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> One day the trail of lies will catch up. It'll be too late. Yeah, man, when I release the tapes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast in Ring FC. I'm Lisa Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. <laughs> Ryan, have we actually been away? <laughs> I feel like Darius in Atlanta. It's just like, I don't believe in time. So I'll say we've always been here. We've always been here. <laughs> well, how are you doing? Given we've always been here, how are you doing? How am I doing? How long have you got? Because this is your fourth podcast in three days? Four it days? It is, yeah. It is. Oh my goodness. It's almost like this is my job. <laughs> I am doing. Hmm. I don't know how. I don't know how far to go here. Go on. Go in. Go in. Go in. Go all the way in. Let's take a walk. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all right, man. I'm okay. How are you? Is that Arsenal related? Uh, I mean, is anything not anymore? Oh, goodness, goodness. <laughs> hey, big point. I'm fine. Actually, this is the funny thing. We'll get into it after the admin, because I'm sure we've got some admin, but... Oh, we do. That's a good point. This is the thing. Like, yeah, point we'll against Southampton. Sa- save it, save okay, it. Okay, anyway, we'll get into it. Later. How are you? Just answer the question. Um, look, I'm always... I'm a fount of joy as ever. I think mostly because the trail of hot takes I've left on social media have not been addressed. Release the drafts. Exactly. Release the drafts. <laughs> you know when Gmail went down? I thought to myself, will my DMs become self-aware? Is this the next stage? <laughs> I, was, I was very proud of myself when Gmail went down. I was, and I just tweeted saying, hey, none of you are laughing at my live address now, are you? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I saw that and I was howling with laughter. I, I can't tell you. I, don't know, I, I might have texted you. I, th- I think I sent you a WhatsApp, but I was crying. That was so funny. The look, was, of, the, the look on people's face when you give them your email address is that at live.com and they're like, sorry? Do you know sorry, what it is? What? <laughs> sorry? And I'm it's, like, hey, let me live, guys. Do you know what I mean? Like everything comes back around, you know? It must have been like that time when like the tortoise stood on the um, starting line next to the hare and everyone was like, the audacity. <laughs> and the tortoise. tortoise is like limbering up, rolling on its back. It's like, yeah, I got The this. tortoise looked at the hare and said, what's your email? He was just like, <laughs> Superquickhair at gmail.com. The tour was just like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. We'll see. We'll, we'll see. keep it live. We'll keep it live. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, you doing all right there? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Honestly, really good. Caffeinated, all the rest of it. Did you listen to the end of Righty's House? I didn't. No, no, haven't caught it. I'm still listening oh. to our podcast manager. Righty has become the latest victim of one of Moose's conspiracy theories. Oh, no. What is it? <laughs> He just casually threw out a stay hydrated at the end of the podcast. Oh my goodness, it's migrated across. <laughs> my work is done. And he was so funny. He was just like, it just came out. It just came out. <laughs> Inception. Inception. <laughs> yeah, let's go on to the admin. So we did, obviously, we did a few this week. So we did Monday as normal. We did a bonus Champions League and Europa League draw reaction kind of pod that went up on Tuesday. Yep, yep. Um, where we went through some of the ties. Well, we went through all the ties, but some of our favourite ones who we think might go through. I was on Wright's house on Wednesday. Man, I'll tell you what, you know, I could have sat there for hours. We chatted a little bit about the Ballon d'Or Dream Team selections, which was super fun. But then with Lucien Favre losing his job at Dortmund, we were talking about what it's like as a player to navigate through managerial change. Wow. And he okay, was wow. talking about like the, when, when George Graham left and then um, Bruce Rioch and Stuart Houston, that period, you know, where he nearly left Arsenal and then through to when Arsene Wenger came in and that whole process. And man, it was so interesting because like usually when you hear pundits and stuff talk about or ex-players talk about um, 
you know, when there's a managerial change, it's kind of, you usually hear the same stuff, don't you? It's just like, oh, you know, time for time to prove yourself, time to do this. You don't actually really hear no, the too much detail. about the, yeah. yeah. It was so interesting, man. It was really good. And we spoke a little bit about Arsenal as well. Flowers went to Scott Parker, Adam Mola, Lookman and Ralph Hasenhutl. Oh, I love this. Uh, Ralph's second bunch of flowers. Much deserved. I'm so happy for Fulham as well, in particular. Yeah, I'm so happy yeah, for definitely. Fulham. So go check that on the Ringer FC feed. Obviously, we're on all platforms. So if the podcast app that you listen to us on lets you rate and review, please give us a rate and review, preferably five, five stars. stars. Yeah, the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I wonder how bored people are getting to that line already. They're like, oh, God, just take it off all the platforms again so we don't have to listen to this. <laughs> please, God, take it back off the platforms. Other admin, you, is your piece up yet? It is up, yep, yep. Uh, about yeah. Lucien Favre leaving Dortmund. So yeah, I've been put a bit of French in there. Oh. French, yeah. Was it, may we, Kilian? <laughs> it's along those lines. Yeah, it's along those lines. It, is, it actually has a lot of references to romance and all the rest of it. Um, so yeah, the ringer.com forward slash soccer. Check that out. Our theme tune is still for sale. If you want to buy it, we're, we're donating all the money. Um, the information about who we're donating it to is on stadio.bandcamp.com. It's a minimum of three euros, but you can pay what you like. Stadio Outro's playlist on Spotify, search for that. It's uh, a playlist with all of the music we play out each episode on. The latest one is at the top. And final bit of admin, Christmas schedule. Yes. So we're doing a kind of a semi-mailbag today. We'll touch on some of the games from the weekend, but uh, from the weekend, from the week. And uh, we'll lace the questions in as we go through, like a cooking a fine dish with some Lovely seasoning of questions. Yeah, yeah. Doing a little salt rye. <laughs> salt rye. <laughs> <laughs> Christmas schedule. So Monday's podcast will be as normal. Normal writer's house on the 23rd. We're going to take off Christmas Eve, if that's all right with all of you. Yeah, we've got, so, to, deliver, got to deliver presents for the next day. <laughs> Moose's <laughs> nickname amongst some circles in Berlin is Santa. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> Moose is not actually getting time off. This is when the real work begins. Exactly. Black Santa. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to take Christmas Eve off. We hope that's all right. Well, I mean, to be honest, we don't want to ruin your Christmas with more podcasts. So I think you all deserve a little bit of a break from us. Yep, yep. And then we'll be recording a What If episode before Christmas, which we will put up on the 28th. So it'll be the final What If episode of the year. If you have any what ifs, you can tweet them to us at Stadio or you can email stadiofootball at gmail.com, providing that Gmail doesn't go down again. Yeah. And the more outlandish questions, the better. Yeah. Go cerebral with the what ifs. <laughs> Mind blown. Yeah. Yeah. Galaxy brain, galaxy brain questions. Exactly. Are yeah. So that'll go up on the 28th and then New Year's Eve will be, oh, there'll be a writer's house on the 30th as well, which will be, I think, a group one. And then New Year's Eve 31st will be the Stadios. Our final show of the year will be the Stadios. I mean, that's, that's actually the event of the year, isn't it? Well, especially because the Ballon d'Or got cancelled. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, what got canceled. that's why I got cancelled. got rolled into the Stadios. Was, the France football got wind that the Stadios was expanding to double the amount of awards that got awarded last season. Yeah, yeah. Or last year, I should say. And they were just like, no, we're good actually. We'll take it off. There you go. That's our Christmas schedule. So that's a hefty bit of admin for everyone. Sorry it's about good, that. No, it's good content. But, um, but the people right. are listening to you, Ryan, so, you know, it's all good. Pardon? The people like listening to you, so it's good. Do they? Yeah, they do. They do. I feel so, like there's a little bit of shade thrown in there. So I'm told. So I'm told. Told by who? Sources. Am I going to have to bleep this out? Am I going to have to do more bleeping? Sky sources. Uh, Shouts to everyone who got in touch about me bleeping out Moose's story. That was... Uh, yeah, and I got... Feel. The best Christmas present I've ever had. <laughs> props, for, props for being mean to Musa. <laughs> There's always a market for that. There's always <laughs> a market for Dude, that. Dude, that's my entire brand. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's get to the football after this. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got 
a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Oh, I'm sorry, mate. I don't mean it. I don't, don't mean it. It's, it's more fun. It's the slow reveal. It's the slow reveal. It's like, whoa, shit, this story's got other elements to it. <laughs> Bleeping is unbelievable. Should we start with Liverpool Spurs? Yeah, we have to. We because have to. what a game of football this was. I really liked this game of football. It was so good. It was actually, so good. Shout out to the cop. Shout out to the cop because they were loud. Yeah. They were loud. Like that, you know, look, obviously having fans back is an absolute luxury and with the exception of a few most people have the mask over the nose as well please look listen any listeners of the cop i, <laughs> I know we're excited i know we're excited just, just keep that you're doing so well just keep that keep that mask over the nose it's just great to see fans back in the cop and they were loud that made i think a big difference these margins are so important because liverpool kept going actually liverpool mm. really kept going till the very end and that's that is what won it for them. I mean, it's, we're being basic, but that's what it was. And Spurs came with a plan, minimal possession, minimal pass completion, absorb, 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 and then strike. And strike. And they Their had the best chances, was to be fair. Stunning. Their counter-attack was stunning. Mm. It was a stunning um, counter-attack and finish. When classic Spurs now by this point. Son just like giving Alice on the eyes. And in between that, of course, you know, Liverpool taking the opener with a deflective strike of Alderweireld and Spurs did everything right actually this is the funny thing when Mourinho talks to them he'll be like all you did wrong was not finish mm. that was it I mean literally like if Mourinho explains the plan before the game he's like this will happen this will happen if we do this we'll win we had a few questions about this Mo B said I need a solid 10 minutes on the brilliance of the young bloods on Liverpool oh my goodness oh, yeah okay let's do that um, yeah yeah Aole shouts to Aole he said how does Klopp do it lost four or five key players and still dominated Spurs. How does he do it? And Ben Iden said, who are you picking to finish a one-on-one chance with the keeper over Son? Does anyone on the planet have as much composure in, this situ- in those situations? I think a few players do, but I think few wide forwards have the composure that Son does. Yes, that's a big distinction. Yeah. I think a thing about wide forwards that you notice is like they can create a lot of chances or they can have a lot of opportunity. This is going purely off an eye test. I'll, I would actually be really interested to see shot, shot conversion Sons is off the scale. Of, of, of wide forwards, because yeah. in my mind, wide forwards are high volume, but slightly less clinical. Yeah, I would think that's In fair. my mind, does that, does that sound no, fair? No, that's that absolutely fair. That's absolutely fair. With Son, yeah, he does miss a few, but I, I think that he seems to, from, from an eye test memory point of view, he seems to be le- far less wasteful. I mean, the one-on-one guy of all is, is Lewandowski at this point. Lewandowski right now is the killer in the one-on-one, but that's mm. just, for me, Lewandowski covering such a multitude of sins that I think, put it this way, if Lewandowski was at Barca, there would not be a crisis at this point. They'd be top no. of the league. They'd be top of the uh, league. He's that good. So the, I Bandalor- think he, the Bandalorian the Bandalorian. The Bandalorian replied to Ben's tweet saying Vardy, which is a good shout. Yeah, I think Vardy, Vardy in the Premier League, I would say, mm-hmm. but overall I would say Lewandowski, only because he can do it in any context. Not Yeah, he can do it anywhere. So back, back to the Sun thing. Yeah, I think he's unusually good for wide forwards. I think you were actually did an analysis actually comparing Sterling and Son a few years ago statistically. And Son was actually like almost, I was actually sort of marginally better um, mm. on a couple of metrics than Sterling. And I think this year, obviously he's, you know, Sterling's not having the interstellar year that he's had before. No. But on the Liverpool, the young ones, I'm glad you said that 
because Curtis Jones and Reese Williams are not necessarily in that order because Reese Williams was up against Kane and Son. And there's talk about how Klopp does it. Well, I think the questions are related. Curtis Jones, Reese Williams, and how Klopp does it, they're all part of the same question, which is that basically Klopp plays ball players. He uses footballers who love having possession, right? And this talk about Liverpool missing main players and still winning, I think that's a slightly, um, with all respect, I think that's a slightly, I see it from a lot of people. It's a reductive take, actually, because he's not got clowns in that squad. No. It's a very, very well-built squad. So when he loses a player and switches someone in, like you've still got Fabinho at centre-back. Mm. Look, Fabinho has played centre-back, defence midfield. He's played in the Champions League. He's played full-back. He's played right-back for Real Madrid. This guy's not scared, okay, of playing centre-back at home where they've you know, been unbeaten for goodness knows how long before like Tolstoy wrote his first short story. <laughs> uh, you know, it, you know that, that Fabinho's not scared of that. So how this works, you put an experienced person it's an inexperienced person and it works because Fabinho's there. And one thing we don't see is the instruction. And one thing the camera doesn't always pick up is what Fabinho is saying, drop in, tuck in here, great job. Like all the bits of encouragement that we're probably not seeing. There's so much about the senior junior defensive partnership that we don't see that I'd love to see one day when I love, I love to talk to a senior centre-back about what do you tell the junior player? Mm. I'd love to talk to a junior one about like what kind of handholding goes on when he lets you play a pass, when you play a big, your first big crossfield pass, it's like, yeah, nice one. You're tucked in now. You're going to be good. Like, yeah. So Reese Williams playing that junior role, but playing on the front foot. And it's so interesting because even the goal wasn't, you know, wasn't his fault. Like the, the, no. the one goal wasn't, wasn't his responsibility. So how Klopp does it? Like he lets players play. Like Curtis Jones, actually, I was having, <laughs> sound really weird, but I was thinking a lot about Curtis Jones this morning on the way to the podcast, the way to my desk. On the um, way to the podcast. On the way to the podcast, on the way to my desk, like the <laughs> five metres from my bed. While I was making my coffee, I was thinking about this and thinking, I wonder with Curtis Jones, he's the kind of player that is actually not going to show up on the stat sheet that much, right? Because I think the metrics that he's being judged by are very different to everyone else's. And I say this because I reckon he's the kind of player who Klopp says to him, your job is to advance the ball. So beat one man either with a pass and with the ball and then retain possession. I think his job is literally to break ground like Dembele's was. Mm. Like he gets the ball, he breaks ground, he goes past one man, goes past two, then lays it off. He's really good at ball retention in close spaces. And there's this really amazing thing he does. I saw this um, pass he played. I think it was to Mane in the, in the second half. He plays this through ball and he's just watching the weight of it. So he plays it to Mane and Mane goes, he doesn't finish the chance. But you just like see slide him like the shades down. <laughs> yeah, you can just see him like like it's like the architect in Inception, just like drawing it out. Like okay, I've seen it, and he's really like he's an architect, Curtis Jones. Yeah, like, he's a good. He's, he's, a he's good not player. just a lieutenant; he's an actual orchestrator. Yeah, I thought I thought this was such an interesting game because obviously you kind of nailed it that like Spurs came with a very very specific game plan. But both sides executed their game plan really well. Yeah, yeah, agree, completely agree. Yeah, it was one of those. If Spurs had won the game, you couldn't actually kind of really argue with it because no, they no, did, no. they did have the better chances, and you would yeah. have been like, it would have been this like Mourinho absolute masterclass. But the thing that I found really hilarious was I actually tweeted this after the game and Mourinho's post match interview. <laughs> sometimes Mourinho, he's like accidentally the funniest person in the world. Sometimes. You know when like someone, people are really trying to do angry and they're really trying to do scary and you're just yeah, like, like, this all guy nothing, is like hilarious. All this guy is nothing, hilarious. Yeah. yeah, 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 definitely. It's like, yeah, like it's, I was talking about this on Righty's House actually when he went full Godfather, but he was so spiky in the press. It was amazing. <laughs> in the, the post match interview. And he, he was just like basically trying to say that Spurs are as good as Liverpool, but nowhere near as good as Liverpool at the same time. And the interviewer kind of was just like, Oh, so you're saying that you should be challenging then? And then Marino's just like, no, 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 no. Amazing. Yeah. What would you say? Oh, yeah, yeah. We go for the league. Well, does that mean you can challenge? Well, I say oh, the next no, game. No, no, no. no. The next oh, game, uh, we, go, we go for a win again. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Amazing. And then he said, well, you know, a lot of these players were in the Champions League final not too long. He was just like, five, five. And the fact that he knows, he knows that number, the fact that it's in there. The thing that I love about Mourinho, and this isn't like Mourinho slander because I, I think this is genuinely, genuinely entertaining, is that he knows it's coming 
because he's he, he knows the answer to the questions that haven't been said. Yes, exactly. Because he's thought about them himself. He's, you can just imagine being like, I'm going to say this, but then they're going to tell me that some of these players have been in the Champions League final. So how many have been in the Champions League final? This is a new team. We're still doing this. We're still doing this. And he was so spiky about it. It was kind of wild. It was really, really funny, I thought. But I, 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 think, I, thought, I thought Klopp's actually, Klopp's summation of the game was kind of perfect. He was just like, we were really happy. You have to play that way against them. We dominated the ball. I mean, 76% possession, I think, yeah. Liverpool had. Liverpool completed about 800 passes and Spurs completed like 250, something wild like that. Let me get the stats up right now. Total passes completed by Liverpool, 807. Total passes completed by Tottenham, 250. Well, that's total passes, not passes completed. That's total passes. Just total, yeah. wow. total passes. So Tottenham's completion was 61%. So Tottenham completed about 150. Wow. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's... But again, this is, like I was saying before, this isn't a... I'm not having a go at the way Spurs played here. I think, like, this is what I said before. I think both teams executed their game plan perfectly and it made for, it made for a really, really interesting yep. game, I thought. One question from, from Zan. Uh, do you think that in Hoiberg, Mourinho has found his Mourinho-type player? Yes. Do you know who Hoiberg reminds me of? Ander Herrera. Oh my goodness, do you know what's so funny about this? Someone said in our um, football, shout out to the Unicorns, our WhatsApp chat group, someone said, is Hoiberg the most Mourinho player ever? And I was like, that is such a big shout because of course he's had them in the players on him. I mean, I, I still think the most Mourinho, play, well, again, that's the thing. It could be Deco, it could be Pepe. Like, Mourinho's had a lot of players that could be the most Mourinho player ever. I almost feel like we should do an 11 of like most Mar- the most Mourinho team. You got Mourinho'd. Yeah, like the most, you know what I mean? Like, obviously the only thing that's a guaranteed pick for this is Rui Faria as the assistant. <laughs> <That's> the- <laughs> Not anymore though. What happened to Rui? I fell but, out, but, right? But everything else is up for grabs. Yeah, I think Hoiberg is, yeah, he's found his Mourinho player at Spurs, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, I want to give a shout to Giovanni Lo Celso as well because the pass for the song goal was absolutely oh my goodness unbelievable. The fact they just have Lo Celso in the mix, a player of that quality just yeah. in the mix is unbelievable really. But yeah, fun game this. Uh, thoughts are with Tim Sherwood at this very difficult time. <laughs> oh my goodness. He walked right into that. For those who haven't seen it, I mean, you should explain it, but it's unbelievable, isn't it? Tim Sherwood had a Steve McLaren England-Iceland moment for the Liverpool winning goal. We haven't even talked about it and I want to talk about it because it was so aesthetically, wow. a very aesthetically pleasing trajectory of a header. Yeah. Robertson went to take the corner. Tim Sherwood's on, I think it's, the, it's on the Amazon Prime kind of like goal show thing in the UK. And he's basically saying, he's basically saying there's no chance of, what's, you know, Spurs are going to win the header. What, what's the point? And just, like there's, there's absolutely no chance. Like he's ruled it yeah. out. He's ruled it out. And then obviously like clockwork straight on Firmino's head into the corner, banter ensued. I think he even says something like not to, te- I don't know if he said not to tempt fate or something. Yeah, he said it at the beginning. It's just like, you don't, I don't know, man. It's easy, I think, to dump on Firmino for his goal scoring. And you fact, the fact that his goal scoring, his lack of goals coincides almost directly with Liverpool's unbeaten record. Mm. And what Klopp said about Firmino is so interesting about what he does, the space that he makes for others. Mm. Incredible. Firmino makes a space that that Jones exploits. Jones doesn't have those runs if Firmino's not doing what he's doing up top. It's like, mm. it's what Gabriel Jesus is meant to be doing for City. And you see it actually because Jesus gets a lot of stick, but he'd get less stick if City was scoring in absolute abundance. Like if, if City are blowing away West Brom, Wadera doesn't care that Jesus is not scoring that many. The role that you play as a self-sacrificial nine is so difficult because everyone has the stereotype you expect to just like score in ridiculous volume right? Everyone sees a short Brazilian striker thinking of Giovanni Elbert. They think of an assassin. They think of someone that like plays as the arrowhead. That's what they're thinking of. And so for Mina to do what he does and then score as well, to take all the responsibility he takes and then still have the energy to get up for a leap like that. I mean, it was, that header was unbelievable. Oh my God. The, the way that enters the net. I know. With such, like, but this was a very FIFA trajectory. He hit I it think. with the force of a volley. That's the thing. It reminded yes. me of, this is a bit of a weird one, but there's a goal that George Weah scores against Napoli and Weah enthusiasts will know it. The ball basically like loops up in the area mm. and Weah just hits it yeah. clean, flush with his left foot, clean. And it just goes, and it's just like, it just enters the net at such a height and trajectory. 
you feel like it's still traveling. Does I feel like that, that I, pardon? What does it go? I'm not going to say it. not going to do that again. No, I'm going to do that again. I'm going to do that again. No, because that becomes the second time. No, because it becomes caricature. Oh, come on. This is, no, this is this, big Mando Grogu. It walks such on. a, no, no, no. <laughs> I'm going to throw my cookies up again if you don't do it. You've got it recorded. You can throw it again. You can <laughs> do it like, a, like on a sampler. <laughs> I'll do it like a Blue Monday. Should we move on? Yeah, let's do it. Um, should we talk quickly about Arsenal Southampton? Because yeah, yeah, could have been worse for Arsenal. Could have been better for Southampton. Although, uh, quickly on Arsenal because I don't want to focus on Arsenal. With this I want to focus on Southampton because I think this is a. Although Arsenal is struggling, I think this game gave a really good example of the evolution of Southampton under Ralph Hasenhall. Yes, yes. Arsenal were not great in the first half, especially the first twenty minutes. Much better in the early stages of the second half and scored. First goal, first league goal in open, from open play for quite a while. I think it was like 13 hours or something. Mm. And it was a really lovely goal. And it shows that they can do it against yes. a good side. Yes. And still create really nice attacking move. I don't think a point is the worst result in the world, especially obviously Gabriel got sent off, which I think is another red card is not good. However, I think this was a very different red card to the two that we've seen recently with Jacker and Pepe. Yeah. This wasn't a kind of a, a, a moment of ill discipline. I think it was just one of those things. The, yeah, the moment of ill discipline yes. actually came before, on his first yellow. Yeah, absolutely. That was a little bit silly and he yeah, shouldn't yeah. have done that. Yeah. Yeah, it was a red. I don't think it was like petulant or any of that stuff. I want to talk about Southampton because, and I ran this theory past Southampton Rob. Oh, Southampton Rob, shut up. The Southampton is a better Southampton side than the Poch side. And he agreed. He said this is, to him, the best Southampton side he's seen in his lifetime. That's amazing. The only downside for Southampton is their second half. So they score more, I think they score the second amount of, or the most first half goals out of anyone in the Premier League, but they concede the second most in the second half, basically. So basically they are literally a side of two halves. I mean, we saw it with, I think that Spurs game might have skewed the, the stats on that this season. Yeah. But if they can get their second half performances anywhere near their first half, they are a big problem for Is anyone. that a recruitment thing then? Is that because um, they've got more depth? No, no, what I mean is not in terms of, but just in terms of bodies and because there's game management, yes. Mm-hmm. But there's also just sheer fatigue, isn't there, at some level? Personally, I think that the way Ralph Hasenhutl wants his sides to play, you've obviously seen the development of that. Right. Since we, we mention it all the time. We mention it on Wrighty's House, but since the 9-0, that's when it all changed. Carl went into really good detail on that on Wrighty's house a few episodes ago. A pandemic is no good for anyone. Right. No good for any football side. But I think the relentless nature of the season and the short break is not good for a Ralph Hasenhutl side who was actually no, no. developing really well. And I think it's kind of, I, I think that's where it's, that's where it's coming in mm-hmm. a little bit. The five subs would have really benefited the Southampton side, I think. Right, absolutely. However, Ralph made a really good point after the game where he just said, um, you can see now that we're respected by teams like Arsenal and you know, getting a point away at Arsenal is not a... I think the recent results have probably downplayed how, how good a result that would be. But if Southampton can... Their, well, their performances against top six sides in the last year or so compared to where they were, I think is, is super impressive. And they fear no one and they're actually feared by sides. I think they could have, they could have taken it later. They could have claimed it. If Gineppo, oh, yeah. had, been, if Gineppo had been more decisive, actually... Less, I mean, less, less tentative, they, they could have won that. Yeah, I mean, obviously Arsenal had that header that hit the bar in stoppage time, which I think would have been a bit of a smash and grab. My God, yeah. However, there was a big contrast between the two sides. I think that every time Southampton attacked, it seemed collective. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. There were always bodies around the Southampton player who had the ball. Yeah. It was always, there were always options. With Arsenal, it still seems very much like, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> to draw another fish analogy. When you, see, when you saw Southampton building attacks, it was very much like seeing a school of fish, you know, they're all together, you know, and they're just kind of, they're in sync and you, you think like, oh my God, that's amazing. How do they all know that? Yeah. When Arsenal attack, it's almost like two or three have broke away and yes. they're waiting for the rest to come, come and catch up. And it just, yeah. that, it just halts momentum. And Southampton, I thought, just looked really fluid, super dangerous, really well constructed. And again, I mean, we've praised Southampton a lot this season and we're 
very openly big Ralph Hasenhutl fans, I cannot stress how, how impressive they've been while still leaving room for improvement. And yeah, I think, to be honest, in hindsight, I mean, when me and Wrighty said it on Wrighty's house, we said we'd take a point. And that, yes, Arsenal are in a really, really bad place, but still, in what Premier League era would you say you'd take a point at home to Southampton if you're a quote-unquote top six side? No, exactly, exactly. Times have changed. And I think I want to just say quickly on this, and I think that's great analysis you've put there. Just want to say this last thing on Arsenal. The Aubameyang thing, oh, like he scored, like now he's going to get confidence. Hang on a minute, like, it's not like he's missing five chances a game. Mm. He's just not getting many chances. Like he's just not. And I, I almost feel like we're in slight danger of pinning, look, he's an adult. He can take it. He's in a bit. It's not the point. The point is about analysis. Cause I was watching a lot of, um, so obviously I'm a big NBA enthusiast like yourself. I watched a lot of podcasts about the damage that the media did in the uh, dressing room, the New York Knicks, when Carmelo Anthony was there. And he was the star player for the Knicks. You know, he was the leading point scorer. And then Jeremy Lin came in and started scoring. And the media basically was like, oh, like now this new guy's here. You're not that good and you're losing your shine. And at first it had no impact. But after a while it started to affect the dressing room. And it was like a really interesting lesson on how influential the media and narratives can be mm. in, in creating completely unfair and false, you know, false narratives that affect players. And so as a small part of the media, I want to just kind of say, hang on a minute, this is a false narrative about confidence, all the rest of it. He's not getting chances. Like, mm. he doesn't stop being good. If Look at Lewandowski. Um, when Kovac was there, Lewandowski had a storming time of it, right? But he had just enough creativity to keep buying afloat. He had just enough supply to keep buying afloat. If he didn't have that supply, it doesn't make him a bad player. It doesn't mean he's lost confidence. And I just think like, I'm just a bit wary of how, especially because Arsenal in particular, and this is going to sound harsh for me, but I see it from the outside, they have a particular problem with the way that narratives are constructed around that club. Mm -hmm. I think it's the cumulative effect is actually very unhealthy because it does affect players. It has to. And it's just a bit too much. And people just need to be a little bit more sensible, considerate. You see the Bukayo Saka and the pressure's being put on him. I'm like, hang on a minute. Like, it's incredible what he's doing. Only a few years ago, Bukayo Saka would have been a player like Nasri in a kind of junior role, right? And mm-hmm. allowed to kind of, he should not be a primary creator. And I think most Arsenal fans get that, but I'm just kind of putting a bit of a kind of very small, not even a mark, no, fuck it. I'm putting a very small marker down and being like, I don't like this. No, I mean, and also I've said this a million times before, and I know that it's very easy to say this and we shouldn't use this as a you know, a get out of jail free card for everything that goes wrong with football this year. But like, if you look how much this year has affected all of us, I don't think we take enough time to consider the mental impact of playing football this year. No, that's right. Combined with the physical impact. The physical side we try and take, we've we've talked about, you know, we've talked about how, how hard this and how intense this is on their bodies and how damaging it could be going into the Euros and how there's too much football and why do we have um, international friendlies and why aren't we trying to free up more of the schedule but we cannot understand how much of a toll this has taken on players mentally we just can't and I think we should consider that more because we are asking players yes they're paid very well doesn't matter doesn't matter to me it, honestly I couldn't give a shit about how much any players are paid at the moment like we are asking players to perform to the same standards that we gauge them on in normal scenarios in completely abnormal times. And I think that whilst we can still criticize and whilst we can still discuss what players are doing right or what players are doing wrong, I still don't think there is enough consideration taken by a number of people. And this isn't aimed at anyone in in particular. This is just my take on it. Like you said as well, it's just, I, I just don't think we're taking into consideration the mental impact that this year has had on the players. And I think we should. Yeah, well, and that, that's a great point. And I think, you know, like, this is, Adam, this is a bit of a hot take to throw in, or maybe it's not. But in the same way that, like, you know how COVID, when COVID first kicked in, everyone was like, it will have impacts, it will kind of, it'll be a level, the playing field and whatever. And as it's gone on, and I think initially it did have that impact, the shock aspect. But as it's gone on, we've seen across society, COVID has only emphasised pre-existing inequalities. Football isn't immune to that because football is still composed of people that have normal lives outside football, right? 
And you look at Arsenal winning that FA Cup. Here's a good example. They didn't have the proper, you know, football was basically back as soon as it had finished, right? So we didn't have time to reflect. We didn't have the digital summer of enjoying, and some might say they wouldn't have won it anyway without COVID, blah, 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 but whatever. Like, they didn't have a proper break. So there was not a scheduling, there wasn't a scheduling that allowed them time to enjoy that time off, that break and whatever. They were straight back into it, right? Now, after what was a very difficult season. Yeah. Now, if imagine if the narrative, I think, would have been slightly different if Arsenal had had just that period where people had time to enjoy the culmination of what Arteta had done. Because it's so easy to forget how good people were feeling. I was feeling good about it. And I'm not even an Arsenal fan. I loved what they did. I loved that they played for each other. There was a collective. Even spilling over into the start of the season with Maitland-Niles scoring that winning penalty. And there was so much excitement. And I just want people to remember that excitement and be like, how is that less valid? May the 1st, 1986. Deep inside White Hart Lane. All eyes are on a thick-set man. Five feet five inches tall. That man is Diego Maradona. Seven weeks away from becoming the most infamous footballer on the planet. Giant. When Maradona played for Spurs. Exclusively on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, before we get on to some other stuff, we've got a couple of fun questions. What are you laughing at? I'm just happy. You're laughing at Alkwanga. I'm just, you know, you know I was laughing, laughing at? at? Do you want hey. to know I wasn't? Do you what, want to know? What, you want to dance? Do <laughs> <laughs> you know what I was laughing at, honestly? I was thinking, I laugh really easily on this podcast, which is funny because... You are like a not very funny person's dream. Because I come <laughs> away from every podcast thinking, I was like, man, Rice, I've still got it. I've okay. still got it. <laughs> I think you're up. Yeah. <laughs> Inflating stock prices. No. Um, hype, man. If I think of all the other places that I you know, think in, work in, write in, the stuff I'm working on right now, it's quite difficult stuff. Like, and the work I'm putting up next year is quite personal, quite difficult. And you're always braced for the attack, a lot of the work that I do. And it's really nice to have a place where I can kind of just talk about catfish. Yeah, just be a catfish and just be like, well, this is why I got into the first place. Like, I sometimes think people don't understand, and I've been writing this in this essay, people don't understand what racism actually is. They, under, they don't understand what homophobia actually is. Okay, they think it's just name calling. Oh my God, that guy's this, he's that. And they think that if you recover from an insult, if you just, just toughen up and you'll be fine. They don't realize that actually racism and homophobia, and this is coming back to why this podcast is so great. Like, I'm not black on this podcast. I'm not bisexual on this podcast. I'm just talking football, right? And there are so many places, and I have to say this, where you, you're black and it's like, at what point will I be unwelcome, right? Mm. You're, you're thinking, like, I look at the map of Europe to go on holiday and I'm like, I can't go there, 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 too dangerous, can't go there, too dangerous, can't go there, could go there, risky. Like, there's all your constant, like, it's warning signs, right? And that mm. sounds dramatic, but that's just my reality. No, I mean, yeah. And the same with my sexuality. It's like, there's, there's places where you are you're on the verge of being unwelcome. Like I'm writing this essay right now about Justin Fashionu and about the homophobia that he received and the knowledge that at any point, if you reveal your sexuality, you're unwelcome. So a good friend of mine, shout out to Ashley Pitter, was playing for Stonewall. But before that, which is a gay football team, but before that he was playing for a team, a, son, uh, a non-league team, and no one knew he was gay. Mm. And he was playing for the first team as their fullback. Amazing player, like one of the best right backs I've ever seen. Had trials at Wimbledon, unbelievable player, played for like, three quite big non-league teams. So amazing footballer, right? By any standard, brilliant footballer. No one knew Ashley was gay. And then one day someone got wind that he was going and playing in America and it turned out that they found out he was playing for this Stonewall on a gay games football, a football tour. He gets dropped at the end of the season 
And the only team that takes him out of six teams in the club, I think was the third team. And the captain was like a notorious homophobe. After one game where the guy basically just tears into another player for being gay or like throwing insults at him, Ashley leaves at the final whistle and never goes back. And that's a club he was part of for years. And what people don't realise is that racism and homophobia are basically like their borders to another life. Mm. There are moments where if, if the barrier comes up in, in relation to your race or your sexuality, and this I felt this in my life and in my career in different contexts all the time, like I've experienced so many barriers, and people that aren't black and people that aren't queer of any description, they carry on unhindered. And I think the reason I enjoy this podcast, talking about football, righty's houses, the rest, those barriers don't exist. I'm an unlimited version of myself. And that sounds quite a dramatic thing to say out of nowhere, but people are like, oh, you laugh a lot. I was like, yeah, because this is how I would laugh all the time. This is how happy I'd be all the time if these things didn't exist. And people ask, you know, sometimes, oh, your laugh's really funny. Do you know what it is? It's because it's the laugh of overcoming. It's the laughter of being like, if I don't laugh, I don't get out of this. And I don't know, it's kind of like a, it's, it's freedom, I guess, you know? So, yeah. Hey, well, like, speaking of freedom, like George Michael once said, I won't let you down. I'm emotional. No, you're I'm not. Emotional. Don't lie to I'm me. Yeah, I'm emotional. <laughs> I'm emotional. Now. Hey, one thing worse than being a bisexual, being a risexual. <laughs> yeah, there's a market for that, though. There's a market for that. <laughs> there's no market. <laughs> Stocks are down. <laughs> um, I would like to read this one out from Matthew J. Kressler. Shouts to Matthew. Just grew my first mustache. Proudly, Matthew and decided that there is no wider gap between self-perception and the perception of others than the mustachioed man. To be clear, <laughs> my self-perception couldn't have been more positive. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. What are you doing? What have you started? <laughs> Run free, my mustachioed lovelies. Run free. <laughs> I actually, I was talking to Bob, Bob Perner about this, Cheeky Ball Boys, and he was talking about whether, he said, how long before Arteta grows a mustache? And I've, I actually, I've had a mustache for a little bit, but it's not like a proper mustache. It's, yep, yep. I, don't, I, I never wet shave the rest of my face. I always just like, you know, I'm not a massively full bearded man. Yeah. So, um. But I like the, you know, the mustache is, is longer than the rest of the face. Yeah, Put it, it that is. Way. But it the is rest of the face is never wet shaved. That's true. That's true. It's not standalone. No, no. It's, it needs some company. Yeah, yeah. Big, big rye energy. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, I said to Bob that I've actually maybe felt more calm. I said this on Wright's house. We were talking about mustaches. It's like, I think they're calming. You know, big William Carvalho energy. That's what I'm going for. The calming energy of a of a. Of do you know what? Do you know actually the goatee as well? The goatee is a similar thing for me. You know, and obviously David Trezeguet miss a chance as I just stroke his goatee, stroke <laughs> the size, and it's like, wow, that is actually how it feels. Have that slight friction on your fingertips. It's really, <laughs> it's very affirming. Let's loop it back to some football quickly because we've we've not really talked a huge amount about football. Pete Bashini, why was Bielsa's nonchalant sip of coffee in response to Rodrigo's head so endearing and kind of inspiring? This was a Brilliant game, by the way. Leeds, Newcastle. It was amazing. Yes. So good. And can Leeds I say this as well? Yeah, can brilliant. I say, I, we, I said in the WhatsApp group on Wrighty's house, worried about Leeds' defence. They need another goal scorer and they come out and get five. Like, Jack Harrison's the, goal. I'm sorry, but it's just like... It's unreal. Unreal. Like, it was just like... The thing, the thing that always blows my mind about stuff like that is when you're, when you're travelling at that speed and you still have the energy at the end of it, to hit a shot like that from that far out. That late in the game as well, to be running at that speed. And you know, it's funny because Jack Harrison had a great game and he basically almost got like, it was like, I fed everyone else, now I can eat. Mm. Does that make sense? Like he, he basically like was so instrumental down the flank for Leeds. And what would have pleased Bielsa was, that was the proud dad actually. Yeah. That sip is the proud dad. It's like, that's exactly how I wanted the goal to look. That's exactly how we, re we rehearsed the goal. What's so encouraging for Leeds is that 
their goals are constructed goals. Yeah. You know, they're not, they're not, you know, they get the cup and the Jack Harrison goal was obviously like brilliant free form, struck it in the flow, but they're building goals so well. Mm. And that's why I think they'll be fine this year. I think they'll stay up this year because I think they are. Yeah, I think they will. I th- yeah. I, I, there are, there are definitely five teams I think who are worse than Leeds in the league. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Quick shout for Everton who beat Leicester 2-0. Great win. A great, great win for, for Everton. Dominic Calvert-Lewin and, uh, I noticed this yesterday, Dominic Calvert-Lewin and Son Heung-Min each have as many goals as Arsenal have scored in the Premier League this season. Goodness me. Wild. West Ham Palace was one all. Uh, Sebastian Hallers, you kind of accidentally in- invented a new goal. There's a level above an angry goal. It's a goal of rage. This was rage. This was rage. And he's done that twice. He's, he's scored both times. Like, he's scored two angry goals now, back to back. Very street fiery. He's angry. He's so angry at this mm-hmm. point. Uh, obviously, we met, we, uh, Wolves beat... Chelsea 2-1, big win for Wolves that, and uh, Man City, we have, West we haven't Sorry, we haven't clocked, we haven't talked about just how brilliant the Sebastian Haller goal was. It was... I mean, it was, it was so good that I don't even think my brain's really comprehended. It was extraordinary. Like, it's, you know, like, when all those adverts are like, soccer in the US, and they always had a bicycle kick or a scissor kick. Yeah. It was like, they were like, what's the most spectacular thing we can find? But those goals were always scored on like a sunny day, and they were always like nice and lovely, and the culmination of a great flowing move. This was like a... This is like watching Blade in the final five minutes of a movie fighting the bad dude. Mm. Fighting, it's like watching Blade fight Blood God. It was. So gnarly. It was, it was. I think Seth Stafford Bloor clocked it. He said that. He was like, this man is, is, is on a mission to prove something to people that didn't rate him. Mm. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Mm, Chelsea in a bit of a wobble, losing to Wolves 2-1. And Manchester City won, West Brom won. Slavon Bilic is gone. I don't really get this, to be honest. I don't really get this. I mean, obviously they're struggling. Don't really get the timing. Poor Slavin Bilic. Do you know what? Here's, I look back to that game against Chelsea, right? And if West Brom hang on against Chelsea, I know it's a what if, if they hang on against Chelsea, how different does the season look? Mm. When they were 3-0 up at half time, if you paused the game right there and gone to the West Brom board of directors, they'd be like, oh, how are you feeling? Oh my goodness, can't believe it. Like they, they, the, the signings they made, they got Dean Garner, I think, from West Ham. Uh, they made some smart acquisitions, you know, and I, I don't know, I've, I feel for him actually. Yeah, I, they made some smart acquisitions, but I think they could have, they could have been better, I think as well in the summer. I'm not really sure what more they could have expected from this West Brom side this season so far. I'm not a, a massive expert on West Brom, but my, my feeling is that this might not be such a popular decision. Mm. I don't think. Yeah. I think, because I think he, was, he seemed quite popular there. But yeah, weird that it came after probably their best result of the season in the league, maybe. I don't know. This just feels a little harsh to me. I might be wrong, but it feels a little harsh to me. There's almost an element of like, when you're going to go down, go down swinging. Go down as you... Let's talk about his previous, or his, his former assistant, Edin Terzic. Wow, okay, yeah. Made his debut yeah. as Bristol Dortmund manager. They scraped a 2-1 win over Werder Bremen, which they needed. Game of the week, though, I think, was... Well, game of the... Uh, I think probably my favourite game of the week. Eintracht Frankfurt, Borussia Mönchengladbach. Three I all. Wish I'd, I wish I'd caught that. A large Stindl hat trick. I wish the I'd The equaliser came in stoppage time and it was unbelievable. Um, really good game, this. Do you know, I'm really teams. happy for, I'm happy for Gladbach because normally that gets done to Gladbach. Yeah, and, but also they're drawing, they're drawing, they're drawing a lot of games at the moment. Um, there were a lot of draws in the Bundesliga this week. Hertha and Mainz drew 0-0. Stuttgart, Union drew 2 all. After Union were 2-0 up. But, uh, but that's probably a good result for both. I yeah, think. it is. I'm kind of happy for them both in that sense. Yeah. 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 Schalke lost uh, again at home to Freiburg this time. So that run is coming ever closer. We said this game and, well, I said, well, I'm not going to bring you into it because that's not fair. <laughs> They've got Bielefeld next, Schalke. Mm. That has to be the one they, they have yeah, yeah. to. Yeah, have to beat that. Uh, Bayern nicked it against Wolfsburg. Wolfsburg's good game. first defeat. Really good game, this actually. Yeah. To shout out Jonathan Harding, he did a great update on this at half time. So I actually tuned into this the second half. Wolfsburg had a real go at them. Shout mm. out to Kevin and Babu, who found it really tough uh, starting with Wolfsburg, has played his way into form and is now just looking really good for them. But Lewandowski scored just mm. on the stroke of half time and then just four minutes after the half. Mm. And it's funny because the goal that he scored, the decisive goals it turned out to be, Basically like a Wolfsburg player missed the ball in midfield. 
Mm. Just one bad touch, one mistouch, and he was onto it. And then it became a one-on-one, and then he did what he does. So, you know, but for that, and Wolfsburg's first loss of the season in the league. Um, mm. Means that Leverkusen are the only side unbeaten in the Bundesliga this season. They remain top. They beat Cologne 4-0 in and Cologne. And they're looking good. Oshball in full effect. And what's Follow- funny there, just to quickly say as well, like Florian Witz has, I think, signed a new contract. Uh, and he signed from Cologne. I think he's like 17. He's unbelievable. Mm. And Musa Diaby, who plays in the front line for Leverkusen, he was like the best player in the PSG Academy. Like, so basically what Bosch has done very cleverly is he's kind of created a kind of like, a kind of Ajax on the sly. Mm. A home for players, a home for brilliant young players to go under the radar. He's saying sly Ajax. Sly Ajax. <laughs> oh my God. The best new nickname for, no, they were called Neverkusen, but Slyax is Slyax amazing. Is yeah. Dude, that's, that's, you know what, actually, you're ridiculous. I am ridiculous. Thank you. Um, but also, you're also you. brilliant, right? You're also brilliant. Well, you know, whatever. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go for like succession. Fuck off. <laughs> hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It was Women's Champions League this week, but it's the early stages and the the golf in class was on display. Big aggregate wins for all of the big guns that you would expect to go through. Mm -hmm. Uh, Chelsea, Atleti, PSG, Lyon, Manchester City, all of the the heavyweights through to the next round. We're going to cover that in more detail when, as that, competition progresses for sure elsewhere quickly let's do a couple of other bits wins for Barcelona and Real Madrid midweek good wins actually um Barcelona beating top of the league Real Sociedad who are now level on points with Atleti at the top but Atleti have three games in hand on them so yeah the Real Sociedad have been on a bit of a weird run three draws and a defeat in the last four in the league um and Barca looked actually good. Barca did look good. Barca looked good. And, and I mean, I think Real, Real Sociedad were poor. So. Yeah, there's a thing, that, and this is uh, it's not a knock of Alexander Isaac, but I have noticed there is a slight tentative, no, not but, Alexander Isaac, superb player, will be even better when he gets sort of the slight tentative nature in his finishing. Mm-hmm. So I have noticed it in a couple of games now during this run when he hasn't quite been assertive with the first touch, either to finish or to control before the finish. So he's taking a first touch before he finishes and allowing, I mean, Pedri got a great challenge in right at the Mm -hmm. end on him, which is unbelievable, but he shouldn't have been able to get that touch in. And Isaac did this in a game before. So it's just one thing. It's, you know, again, it's just slightly, but it's the thing that takes you from being, you know what it is? It's almost a Calvert-Lewin thing. Mm. Everything else is in his game. And when he adds that, which he will, when he adds volume goal scoring, I think he'll be amazing. But overall, you know, Barca good. I'm so happy for Frankie de Jong to get that goal because there's been a lot of talk about him not living up to it. And a lot of that's not been his fault. So for him to be, I know, I know, it's Frankie de Jong for goodness sake. I mean, he is who he is. Before we wrap up with a couple of quick questions, let's do Serie A super quick. A lot of draws. Yeah. Perlo's Juve love drawing games. Uh, one all with Atalanta. Um, Pavu Gomez trolling a little bit before the game. Did you that see is this? a bad relationship. Yeah, singing the Juve thing. Yeah. That's just got really bad. Weird how quickly that's just dipped. Uh, Fiorentina and Sass drew one all. Genoa and Milan drew two all. Samp, Samp beat Hellas Verona 2-1. Uh, Inter scraped through against Napoli. It's a good result for Inter 1-0. Can I just say as well, people say Lukaku doesn't score big goals. He scored a penalty late on against Napoli, okay? Mm-hmm. Just to say, that's a big goal, everyone. That's a big oh, yeah, goal. Big goal. Yeah. So Milan remained top. Inter uh, second... Uh, Juve third, 24 points, Napoli 23, Sass 23. So we had uh, one from Scott Monroe said, can Sassuolo do an Atalanta and push for the elite European football for next season? I mean, Sass were looking good. They've had a bit of a wobble. 
Only one win in the last four. I think Napoli, them and Napoli, isn't it? Those two teams, I think, will end up being there and thereabouts. We're recording this ahead of the uh, Roma-Serino game, but if Roma win that, they're up to fourth. But they'll be level on points with Juve. I think Roma, Sass and Napoli are the ones for fourth place. Roma have clicked into gear as well. Roma's scoring freely. But even like Sass, getting in the, Sass getting in the Europa League, I think, would be a massive, massive deal. But yeah, man, Juve still unbeaten, still drawing. Ronaldo missed a penalty in the game against Atalanta. I mean, everyone's talked about the Murata miss. It's, you're going to hear about it anyway from others. So yeah, it's in there. It's a shame for him. He misses a back heel early on. And it's a shame for him only because I hope it doesn't overshadow. These things always have a bit of a habit. Through that. Overshadow the really good work he's been doing up front for them. His return to Juve has been a real mm. bright spot for them. It's been a really positive thing. So he's been great, actually. Shall we wrap on a couple of questions? Yeah, sure. Should we do some fun ones? Yeah, yeah. Mr. Niceface says, how are you guys? No, really. How are you? We're all right. Thanks. How are you? We kind of did uh, it at the beginning. That's, uh, can I just say, what a nice thing to ask, actually. We've had a lot of people checking in on us recently, especially because Germany's gone back into lockdown. Although, to be honest, it's not really that different, actually. Uh, not just hugely. Shops, just shops are shut. Yeah. Essential shops have remained open, but... Yeah, we're doing all right. Thanks for everyone who's checking. It won't affect, won't affect, yeah, it won't affect my routine, I don't think, really. Much, I mean, yeah. us two house cats. You know, yeah, exactly. Like, just doing podcasts, isn't it? One from Jesse Losh. Shouts to Jesse. What will it take to have women coach men's sides? I think just so much. Do you know what? Honestly, this, this, this is an argument now that I think is, we've talked about this a number of times on the podcast before, but just need someone upstairs to be brave. Yeah, it don't, it I can't believe, much, yeah, I yeah. can't believe I'm, 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 it sounds, I want to, obviously just clarify that it's obscene in the modern era to say that, you know, giving a woman a top job at something like that is a brave decision. But I think it's brave contextually because it would be so seismic and it's historic. It would be historic. So that's where the bravery element comes in. However, it has happened at various low levels in Germany. um, And it's happened, I think a couple of times throughout the world, but in terms of like absolute top tier elite, I don't know what it would take personally. But in terms of when it will happen, I think it will happen soon, actually. I've got a belief that it's... I think with the development of the Super League in England and the raising profile of the Champions League throughout Europe, mm. I hope it will happen soon. I think there are... No, but also, I would caveat that by saying that, you know, it's a question that a lot of people say, for example, like, oh, can't Arsenal just put Vivian Miedemar up front? And it's kind of like, you're assuming she wants to play for the men's team. So we're, we're doing a thing here where we're assuming that women want to coach men's sides. I mean, with all that goes... Do you know what I mean? I would say that, for example, if they do, sure, but I don't, I think that, um, you know, for example, I think, I think Emma Hayes could walk into a Premier League job tomorrow, actually. Oh, without question. Yeah, without question. I mean, without, but this is, I mean, if we're really going to get into it, there are a lot of men that shouldn't be coaching the women's game. Like, yeah, for sure. hundred yeah, percent. And I think terms, in terms in the of quality, NBA as well, like we talked about the NBA as well, like, you know, I'm a Pacers fan, right? And Pacers apparently interviewed Becky Hammond for the coaching yeah. job in the summer or not in the summer, after the, play, after the playoffs. And um, I was really hoping they went for it because Becky Hammond is a G. and From an elite coaching school. Yeah, and she's like yeah. worked on the pop for ages. She was exactly. an amazing player. And yeah, I mean, we've had conversations about this before that I think the Spurs are gearing up for her to take over from pop. But we know why it's not happening. It's not happening because if it happens, then all of a sudden everyone's going to be like, the floodgates will be open because people will be like, oh my God, that wasn't that difficult. That wasn't that big a deal. It really wasn't, you know, it's not that big a deal. And then, then it, of course it's not. And this is why it's not happening. It's not happening, not because they're not good enough. It's because they are good enough. It's like segregation of sport, Ryan. Mm. The second they allowed black players into baseball, everyone was like, oh my gosh, they're just like, they're just good players. And then everyone allowed them in. And they know for a fact that if they get one woman in any job and she's competent, does a good job, then it opens up everything. Because look, how many does that make sense? Like the second that one person does it, and this is what a lot of men are afraid of, the jobs for the boys just disappear. The places yeah. where you can go. Yeah, I, I think I think it's a I think it's a big part of it, Brian. The only the only, the only thing that I that, that that I worry with that is that then people see the women's game as like a path to the men's game. I would like there to be more across the board kind of parry, so that you would get some. Some men move from a Premier League side to a Super League side or, you know, vice versa. Women from a women's side to a men's side, back to a women's side. And it's not a big deal. It's not like... Yeah, a, being, a coaching, being a coaching Lyon. 
Yeah, prime example. Or like, you know, yeah, like Casey Stoney Stoney taking a taking a job in, you know, taking, I don't know, fucking taking the Arsenal job. I don't know. Like, you know, things like that. It's like just it for for it to be normalized. Now obviously the conditions are different currently because obviously the women's game, we've mentioned this a million times before, like the women's game hasn't been given the investment or the coverage or the time or the respect over the sustained period that the men's game has and therefore it's still playing catch up in that sense. Mm. But yeah, I just hope it, I mean, with people who listen to us know our thoughts about this, like it should happen, it can happen and fingers crossed it will happen sooner rather than later. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. All right, let's finish on this one. Ayana, which football moment would you turn into a movie? Bonus points for actors you choose, director, genre, etc. Okay, then I do. Ronaldo's fit or illness, Ooh. sudden illness in the 98 World Cup final. I do that. And I'd have old, young detective combination. Elder detective would be Gene Hackman. Oh. Younger detective, Alicia Vikander. And then like you have the head of the CBF. You need an actor for that. I, I, it'd be difficult to go. I, I don't know that many great Brazilian actors. So it's tough for me to cast them, but that's where I'd start. It's definitely where I'd start. So basically like those detectives would be the center of it. Like what actually happened to Ronaldo? What pressure did Nike actually put on Ronaldo? What, what caused the illness? Toxicology reports, all of it. Like that would be the center of it. And just shoot it really, even choose the kind of, you know, Werner Herzog probably, like just really get into the kind of granular, you know, really, yeah, Werner Herzog director and those detectives, the kind of what really happened to Ronaldo in the 98 World Cup final just before. I thought of a really bleak quad. I mean, if it's more bleak than that, yeah. It is more bleak than that. Remember Lasagna Gate? Spurs. <gasps> oh my God, yes. Now that still. But I'd have Michael Henneke do it. <laughs> Imagine how bleak that would be. But it was bleak. And I live around the I think I was living around the corner when that happened. So for those who don't know Lasagna Gate, Spurs are basically set to qualify for the Champions League for the first time in ages, right? The first time in their, maybe, they hadn't done it before in the modern era, I don't think. It took them years to get back to that point. And they have that great team with Carrick. It was 05-06 Carrick's final season, I think. And the last game of the season, they had a game they had to win, I think, or get a favourable result to go through. And the entire team got food poisoning. And there was always talk about, oh, like the lasagna got, like someone poisoned it. And Arsenal got the result they needed and Spurs didn't. And there was always talk about it. Super interesting. It's funny, we've both chosen kind of like those moments, isn't it? But I think they make for great football drama. Yeah. And and, I mean, I'm not saying that out of like being a spicy, uh, spicy Arsenal fan there. I just think that that happened to my club. I'm such a huge, such a huge what if actually. Yeah, it's huge. Because it changes um, Spurs' trajectory Mm -hmm. and the kind of players they attract. And the reason I mentioned the 98, before I forget, on the 98 film, I would have Brazil players play themselves, but not as players, but as members of like the CBF and members of Nike. Ooh. Have them do cameo. Yeah, have them do like real, like have cameo bits. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I like that. Um, should we bounce? Let's do it. Uh, we're playing out on My Lips Get Hot by Saskia. A great one on the Strom label. Um, don't forget you can check us on Twitter at Stadio on Instagram at Stadio Football check theringer.com forward slash soccer for Moose's piece and more pieces going up check Wrighty's house um, we hope everyone's staying safe and well we'll be back on Monday anything to add Musa? no just generally maintain good vibes thanks for listening everyone maintain it's those vibes fun. yeah maintain them listen if you've hey. got them maintain them hey we just listen. out here maintaining Listen, we're maintaining. I am maintaining those vibes or attempting <laughs> to maintain. If you can't maintain, attempt to maintain. Exactly. That's my new, that's my new, that's my new bit. Exactly. If you cannot maintain, you must attain. Listen. Remember everyone, try to maintain. No doubt. Have a good weekend, everyone. Stay safe. We'll see you Monday. Mm-hmm.